This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, Dr. Francis Fleming, Director of Marketing Initiatives at Rudd Center for Food Policy and Health, tells us how fast food brands market to us and why they are so good at marketing to children. Things you need to know. Are you okay with bugs? And how about oysters? And Ryan O'Donnell has found the best goal song in the history of hockey in his eyes, and he plays it for us with Millennial on the radio. All of this on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. We've shared with you the story about McDonald's and Wendy's and food and marketing and the legalities around all of it, conversations we've had here on the shift, and we will continue to have more. But what about the marketing side? And we wanted to dig into marketing. Here's the thing. I work at a radio station, we sell advertising. So there's marketing that comes to you every day. I can tell you this, I would not work at the radio station if I felt like the marketing that was being delivered was unfair, not true, inaccurate, misleading, And that becomes a compass that I go through every day. I also have worked as a music DJ for all those years and we sold everything we could. Come buy your car, come get your hot tub, all those things. So I've been around it a lot. I've even owned a consulting company that (laughs) that marketed. I mean, I'm a capitalist, I really am. I just subscribe so deeply to the notion that products and marketing should leave your day better off and leave you on a better course than when you got there. And I don't think that happens all the time. And that's where we're gonna bring in Dr. Fran Fleming. And Fran, you, this is what you do. Fran is the Director of Marketing Initiatives at Rudd Center for Food Policy and Health. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a swamp. I mean, there are, and I, I don't want to diminish the organizations that do a really, really good job giving you a, a product they believe in and telling you, We think this product's going to help you. Not those people, but there's a little bit of snake oil that flows around these days, hey? Yeah, well, I think um, when it comes to marketing, um, I like the lead-in that you discussed here and about responsible marketing because what we look at is the marketing that's directed to children. Uh, We do some work on the marketing directed to parents of young children, but we're pretty much focused on that. And I think that um, we're quite all quite aware that the food environment is really poor. That, um, that surrounds kids. So we, at one on one hand, we tell kids, "Oh, you're supposed to eat fruits and vegetables, and um, you know, this is make good choices." But then, when you look at the environment that surrounds them, it's promoting um, the lowest nutrition, least healthy foods, uh, pretty much all the time in so many different spaces. In fact, in so many spaces that I think parents don't even think about. Um, so you're giving this message to say to kids, oh, eat, you know, eat healthy food, but yet the appealing messages, the messages that um, really get to them, the messages that come to, from peers sometimes on social media, from celebrities they love and appreciate, um, are telling them something very different. And we think, um, you know, that, that, that needs to change in order to really support a healthier environment for kids. So can we break that down? I don't know if there's uh, these are formal categories or not, but it's how I'm hearing it. So help nav- help me navigate this if you can. Maybe some proper vocabulary and language is that there are a couple of aspects that we see marketing to children in particular. Number one, we see the basic mentorship celebrity scenario where I look up to this person, therefore I will buy their skate, their sneaker, their perfume, their clothes, and whatever. So there, there's a, that's a vanity play. 
mostly a belonging make you cool play. Uh, you know, I don't find that to be particularly healthy, but celebrity has been there since kings and queens ran the land, you know, centuries ago. Then there's the sort of, uh, I call it the timeline, right? It's the, the forward investing part where you go and you take, you find it a lot in soda pop. Tobacco was bad for this as well, is that if you market it to children, you, politicians are bad for this one too. I'm going to call that one out. Uh, if you market to the children, the notions when they grow up, they'll stay with you, right? So it's kind of like if a Pepsi drinker has been a Pepsi drinker their whole life, they're probably not going to change. They might go into diet Pepsi, but you really hook them in when they're young teenagers into drinking Pepsi and or Coke or whatever it is. So I feel like there is this sort of, if you ever wanted to know what Pepsi was going to look like 10 years from now, you just had to watch their ads today because that's where they're, they're preloading. They're buffering. They're they're prepping the next generation. Politicians do that all the time. Yeah. And then there's just the flat out misleading stuff that convinces kids' notions and misnotions that, and you had said to me before we got into this conversation, that if they truly wanted to market a good product to kids, they know the parents have the money. So they're not marketing to the parents who have the money. They're marketing to the kids who can talk their parents into it. Oh, yeah. That's something we call pester power. And um, it's well studied. That's a good name. So the, you know, the the years and years, I mean, really decades of food marketing influence on, on children shows that it affects their attitudes towards the products promoted, their preferences for those products, consumption of them, and the purchase requests, which comes in the form of pester power. And these aren't always ads because um, in some cases, they're also packaging what's on the front of package at displays, um, when you're going grocery shopping, if anyone has ever uh, shopped with a child, then you know that feeling um, of when a child is pleading for something and based on you want to leave what they see <laughs> and um, <laughs> leave yeah, the store without them. everybody's experienced that. So the marketing really comes in many forms. I mean, we, we frequently think of advertising and, and maybe that's even becoming um, maybe a little bit of a dated thing because we're now, now the advertising is really um, much more subtle when you know that most of the eyeballs are on um, digital, you know, it's digital marketing or on mobile devices. And in that case, um, the marketing is pretty stealthy. Um, it appears to be part of play. It appears to be something from friends. Um, it appears to be advice from uh, an influencer and um, it's promotion of, of a product. And usually it's something unhealthy. Yeah, and we won't even have time, I'm assuming, to get into the, the the little things that get slipped into video games, the messages that get slipped into video games, that get slipped into watching YouTube videos. I mean, at least to Saturday morning cartoons when I was a kid, you sat in the living room and you watched them on TV, and then your parents probably heard the commercial because it was loud. And today, Saturday morning cartoons are more about these little 10-second blips that pop in the middle of the video that nobody even gets a chance to hear. So parents aren't even hearing no, it and for the most part. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's... I, I don't want to spend too much time because I want you to answer questions, but we we just published a study pretty recently looking at YouTube influencers, um, you know, child influencers, and four out of every 10 videos that we looked at had a food and beverage brand in them. And the child was not only, um, you know, it wasn't in the background only, they frequently interacted with the brand or ate the brand. And, you know, these child influencers are really well loved by the viewers. I mean, these kids have just millions, billions in some cases uh, of views. And um, I don't think that um, 
we view that space, you put that little video on with, with children doing fun activities, and you think it's something that would be appropriate for a child, but you're not thinking about the marketing that might be happening within it. So if I'm an adult and if someone's trying to sell me something, whether it's a car or something in my life, and it takes me a little while to realize that every time, every video they're in, that this person who's giving me great advice on how to be a great dad is standing in front of a, a logo for Chevrolet, right? And he's not actually selling me a car. It's a bit of a flanker strategy. Um, but they, the way that I have always known it anyway, they really sc scorched earth is the term that I, I'm familiar with. And the, but they blanket you with these videos. And what they're blanketing you with is these videos that they think help you. It's very subtle, but by the way, there's always a Chevy car or truck in the background. Mm -hmm. Creative marketing, um, but they're not misleading you at that point. And I'm also an adult. But with kids on TikTok, there are these very pretty young ladies who dance all super sexy, which many people would even argue for age appropriate depending on the age of the children. Uh, that can be up to you and your parenting conversations. But in that, um, there is always an energy drink in the background and, or they're holding it or they take a drink and they put it down or they finish their dance and they have a drink and then they dance and their, their links are for leggings or, or for energy drinks. And you have to watch five, 10, 15 of them before you go, oh, that drink is in every video. And then you realize the subtlety that's going on. It's actually an ad. It's not just a TikTok video. Now, you know, pretty men, pretty women in videos, not unheard of, certainly appealing, all those things. And it's very subtle. But the children who are drinking the energy drinks, to me, that's the marketing that has this over-the-top energy drink market right now is stuff like that. That's hard to get in front of, Fran. Yeah, it is. It really blurs uh, the distinction. And I mean, when companies approach these uh, influencers or gamers, they're approaching them because of their popularity and they know that they already have a following. So you can imagine that you watch this gamer or you uh, watch this influencer regularly and you formed what it, we call is like a parasocial relationship with this, but you feel like you know that person. That person would never... Um, you know, give you advice that was wrong or has your best intentions uh, in mind. So once that person starts to promote a product, um, it's really hard to see that, oh, gee, he's doing that or she's doing that just to make a buck. It's, oh, no, he's doing that because, oh, he might be making some money, but he must really like this or she must eat this every day. And I mean, we have uh, also evidence of Celebrity meals, that's another example that I think that the fast food companies have done where they've taken uh, meals and they name them for celebrities. And I think similar to what you're sort of talking about with your Chevrolet commercial, you have this opportunity to sort of prime two things at the one time. So I see Travis Scott and the Travis Scott McDonald's meal, you know, and McDonald's didn't even have to make a new product. They just called it the Travis Scott meal because it's what Travis Scott orders. So now, when I see Travis Scott, I think of McDonald's. And so you have this very long lasting um, ability to influence um, a person that goes beyond the time when you're actually seeing the, you know, the celebrity with the product because of that relationship that's been formed in your mind between the brand and, and that, that um, uh, celebrity. And, Mm -hmm. Charlie D'Amelio did it for Dunkin' Donuts, Travis Scott, McDonald's, Suwiti did it for McDonald's, Megan Thee Stallion did it for Popeye's. 
Tim Hortons uh, as Justin Bieber in Justin Bieber. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, when when you do this type of marketing, it it creates a lot of opportunity and not only then for this advertising, but then you have kids online sharing videos or songs or jingles or things that they are doing with these brands. Um, and they become really marketers because they share them with their own friends. So companies just get an opportunity for marketing. It's, it's very cheap actually, because once something yeah. goes viral, it's, it's out well, there. it is cheap. And I think the Justin Bieber one's a great example with Tim Hortons because they did the Tim Biebs, uh, or, uh, the, yeah, the Tim Beeps toques and mm -hmm. stuff, right? And the, every kid was clamoring to get the toque and every parent's going, you are paying money to market for them. Yes. Like that's the thing I think where parents go. So I don't have a problem with the, the hypothetical Chevrolet. The I mean, to me, that is a nice, creative, subtle advertising mm -hmm. way to maybe break into community. Maybe it's a, I don't know, hiking or right? Or something like that. People who like to go hiking and there's some, I mean, Subaru does that all the time with sort of their lifestyle mm -hmm. types of, of commercials. There's a couple that's standing on a porch, just talking about things with Subarus in the background and they've got hiking gear there. I mean, to me, that's good, healthy, clean, subtle. And, but at the same time, m this turning these kids into robots, if you will, that little marketing machines that are out there doing all the things, uh, it's genius, but it's manipulative and they're kids. And I struggle with that part because not only, and this is where society, and I think if adults don't want to take a stand to protect the children, that's fine. But you need to take a stand for the economics of your life. And if you think that this generation is not going to be changed, and I think I've seen it with younger people, the way they spend money and the feeling of obligation they now carry from the way they've been manipulated and thinking that they should have all those things. I think that that's going to change the economics of the world 10 years from now, if you fast forward to when they're adults, and if they don't get some sort of clarity or leadership on what healthy spending and, and marketing starts to look like. Yeah. And I mean, you know, another thing that um, is, is, you know, fairly recent is the ordering apps um, that uh, most of the, most of the biggest um, fast food um, restaurants have. And you know, with that ordering app, you get so much because they have these loyalty rewards programs. Um, they have these push notifications and it's even with geolocation. So when you're near um, a restaurant like Taco Bell, you might get a notification for a great deal there. And um, this, you know, the, the problem in, in many cases here too, is that adolescents just don't have, it, it sort of appeals to their vulnerabilities, because while adults might have a little bit of better ability to sort of regulate, they're still developing um, cognitive abilities. They're really less able to defend defend against this type of marketing um, because they're impulse driven more and more so than adults. And so it it really um, exploits vulnerabilities of teens and younger people in general. Ordering apps, for yeah, example. Now yeah. And, and again, like I, I, I just help, I, I can't help creating the, the distinction that if I'm walking down the street and I'm in a town, um, in Fairfield with you and you and I were going for a walk and we're walking down one of those real pedestrian streets with a bunch of kitschy shops and a couple of pubs or whatever. If I get a message on my phone that says it's happy hour at Steve's mm -hmm. pub, because I subscribe to that, that doesn't bother me. I'm an adult, right? I'm like, Oh, want a beer? No. All right. 
But for kids, that's not fair ball to me. And I, I get curious as to, now, of course, that's beer. That's a bad example. But if they're walking down the street and they're getting hit with alert after alert after alert because they've crossed a geofence into their favorite store, buy now, buy now, buy now, you have 10 minutes to buy. We save you 20% if you come in and buy a hoodie today. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is, that's indefensible. And at what point, so on one side to adults, I think it's good marketing. But on the other side to kids, it's not. And how do we lose our way? Because it's you guys do food, you don't do online gambling. But I think online gambling is one of the uh, most uh, guilty parties in all of this of blurring the lines between adults and children. So at what point do we lose the our way from from being responsible marketers and giving just options to adults that choose to follow this info or these alerts versus kids that their brain's not even developed to be able to filter some of the logic and reason until even 13, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, they can't process reasoning mm-hmm. until they're 13. Brain science says that until from six to 13 is when they really start to grow and they don't even peak till after that. Mm-hmm. So how do marketers lose their way or is is it just greedy people being greedy? Well, you know, it's interesting that um, I like to think that we should have a, a new approach that there's sort of a, a right that a child has to not be marketed to, because mm-hmm. there's um, and, and you know we're in the United States. Companies, uh, free speech is is um, you know super important, and it's given to um, industry in the same way as it's given to individuals. Um, but we don't think about um, the chance for children to not have to see marketing when they're playing uh, a math game because it's been assigned for school. Does an ad have to pop up on that? I mean, why isn't that an opportunity? You know, isn't that it? Shouldn't that be a safe space? Yeah. Well, would a school allow advertising in their hallway? Yeah, and and many right. schools and and there's been a lot of work um, and by people I know um, to get the marketing out of out of schools, um, but mm-hmm. you know, industry gets around it in some ways. There's uh, you know a, a new standard for for snacks that was passed in the United States for. So companies just made their Doritos a tiny bit healthier and their Fruit Loops a tiny bit healthier. And if yeah. you want even well, we have that one here. We have a, and, um, a federal tax on yeah, it. Yeah, they're in schools on s- snack foods, right? Like, um, so if you get to this size of bag, it's a snack, so it's taxed. But if you go a couple of grams bigger, it's not taxed. Mm-hmm. It's a food, right? So we kind of go through similar things, right? And now it gets marketed to to people. Mm-hmm. I just can't help though. To I struggle, I just so struggle with it. I, I find it just it are the future. The the kids are the future. Like politically, if we wanted to build change the world, we build healthy kids, right? Because we know that the healthier their hearts are, and the more forward they are. But yet we step away from it, and we all get sucked into it all the time. You know, it is it can make more convenient and all those bits and pieces. And we're not protecting the babies, and we're not putting those things. To your point about free speech, we talk about free speech, and you're right. And I like the way you phrase that. You've inspired me to consider something new. That if we talk an awful lot about free speech, which I believe in, in Canada, it's freedom of expression, mm-hmm. but it's, um, it's free speech. Then what about free listening though? Mm-hmm. And we do, we do it in other things. We've done that with, uh, alcohol, uh, in a lot of ways, right? Like you can drink in an establishment or a home. You're not allowed to be drunk in public. You can smoke your cigarettes all you like. You're just not allowed to smoke it within 10 feet of a door to a building or what, or in the building or, or whatever you're, you are. So just like you are allowed to smoke, you are allowed to not have to smell cigarette, cigarette smoke. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we've got that figured out, or at least we're finding our way with 
things like that, but we don't with this. And again, I come back to gambling is nasty. And that's, that, that, that is a tsunami of trouble that is coming. I think so much more than food. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree scary. that there are many, that's, a, that's something that I, I agree is, is problematic. I mean, the interesting thing about food is that, um, you know, people are more likely to die of diet related diseases than anything else. And so when you, and you sort of touched on this a little bit earlier, when you start very early in life, um, creating sort of norms about what you should be eating and what's appropriate and what tastes good, those are really hard to break. And um, if you have a poor diet or you're suffering from obesity or overweight as a child, the likelihood of going that into to adulthood is, is very high. Um, and then, your door opens up for higher risk of cancer and heart disease and diabetes and everything else. So, you know, food is associated with fun and pleasure and it, and, and it should be, but the highly processed food that's promoted, really the marketing is, is pretty much dedicated to the focusing of the, the highest processed food um, is really harming the health of children. Yeah. It breaks my heart, Fran. It's not playful anymore. No, it's not. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not your favorite train going choo-choo across the screen. And then the little boy or little girl is, you know, making choo-choo sounds. That's not what it is anymore. And, and that's, to me, that's what it should be. Yeah. Well, I think you also touched on um, the ability for policies to be put in place to protect people the way that it's been done for tobacco and alcohol. And I think, you know, if you want to sort of uh, end on a sort of glimmer of hope, there are a lot of proposals. And I know, I know uh, researchers and advocates in Canada have put these forth in to, to uh, prevent children being exposed to food marketing. Um, but I think supporting those policies would go a long way in protecting children. And so having people keep their eye out on, um, you know, different leaders who are proposing these things and getting behind these policies is important. And ask questions to your kids. What are you watching? And your grandkids. That matters too. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Uh, Fran Fleming, thank you so much for being here with us here on The Shift. We'll share the link to the organization on our Facebook group so people can learn more. Um, it's an invitation and I hope people take us up on it. It's nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. This is The Shift Podcast. Are you, are you, are you, okay, 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 are you okay with, these are the cutting edge stories that are so controversial and good that they just don't make the news. Are you okay with bugs? No, Why? no, I we know, Look, bugs, we got to talk about bugs again. I'm sorry, no, we um, don't. But, but, but it's a perfect, are you okay? Because, yeah, it's an interesting one where, you know, sometimes we get lucky when we put, uh, you know, when I find an are you okay? Let's say this. It's the story of a Florida man whose arm was eaten by an alligator. And then six months later, we find out that that same guy, um, you know, went to a hospital and stole an arm and then was arrested for stealing a prosthetic arm. I was like the alligator ate his arm and then he was um, driving along and he ran over an alligator a year later 
and yeah, it turned the out same it was one. the same one, but yeah. it had his wedding ring in its mouth still, and he oh, was able to get better. his wedding ring back. That kind of Florida story, you know? You, yeah, but, but you know, sometimes we get lucky, and there's like a follow up, and it really ties the bow on it, and it makes you know my 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 radio heart happy. Unfortunately, mm. this is the kind of are you okay where I feel a little bit guilty about making an are you okay about something because now it it, it hits a little bit at home. Okay. Okay, yeah. well, why does this hit Ryan at home? We did bed bugs recently, remember, in Paris. There are bed bugs everywhere. This might be karma. Video captured by a TikTok user shows a bed bug on the TTC in Toronto. Da, da, da. We've had a problem for quite a while in Toronto. Uh, it slowed down a little bit during COVID, mainly because of less travel. Del Kerr, who works for Orkin Canada, a pest control company, says it's rare to see bed bugs in public. They stay out of, out of sight, deep down in the cracks and crevices, and only when it's quieter or darker or when they're really hungry and need a blood meal, that's when they're going to be visible. Riders say that the video showcases the TTC has failed to keep transit safe and clean. You're seeing hundreds of thousands of people a day, but uh, yeah, I know that's obviously unacceptable. I definitely wouldn't want to see that. I won't be sitting down on the way home today. <laughs> and I may walk. In a statement to Global News, the TTC says they clean the vehicles every night and know that sometimes bed bugs do get on, and that is a global challenge. They say if spotted, they clean the car immediately. And the TTC has been testing plastic seating on at least two routes since 2021, a move supported by riders. I would like that change. Yeah, because they're often very dirty. I wouldn't mind plastic. I think that's probably more... Um, especially for children, probably a lot safer. And while getting bit by a bed bug can be miserable, Kurt says chances of picking some up in public are low. It's obviously bad once you get them, but the key is, is prevention. MR Khan, Global News. There is so much wrong with this story. Oh, oh, and my least favorite part of the plastic seats. Well, okay, first of all, let's just be clear. How can these, I hope those people got arrested for even suggesting that we use plastics. I mean, in today's world, I mean, I don't think we're allowed to like bamboo seats, maybe, or hemp, maybe hemp seats. Maybe that's what we should do. I mean, these are buses we're talking about, hopefully running on hydrogen or electric or something. And uh, maybe some of those electric streetcars, but plastic seats, like, first of all, that's offensive. Although effective, I think with bed bugs. And then there's just the whole bugs thing, which to me, I can't help but get this thought imagination thing out of my head of just standing there and then watching a bed bug fall off somebody's backpack onto the floor and go skitter no way. Nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. Yeah. I don't understand how like bed bugs don't do this. They're called bed bugs, not, hey, maybe on the street bugs. Like they're just, they're just deciding it's okay to leave the bed now or the couch and just sorry to go back to the plastic seats they make a lot of sense yes for like you know bed keeping bed bugs away and they're way easier to keep clean they're awful they're the most uncomfortable terrible way to get from destination to destination i understand i there are moments where i would rather have a bed bug but yeah no just just warning toronto just because they have them in calgary calgary transit has basically gone full plastic plastic seats. seats And they yeah. hurt your bum. That's probably bum. mostly due to the urine, but sure. Um, yes, Calgary Stampede. 
Uh, oh, big time. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I, bed bugs, just to be clear, are more soft material bugs that are usually in the bed. Like they, they're in like all kinds of padding things. Um, according to Orkin Canada, bed bugs are known for their rapid reproduction and long-term survival capabilities. These insects can produce one to five eggs a day. Females laying 200 to 500 eggs throughout their life, which can be four months to almost a year. And bed bugs can survive for months at a time without a meal. Um, I looked up how long the longest recorded time a bed bug went without feeding in a lab was 300 days. Ooh, wow. So, yeah, not well, great. That's why you're the meal. Yeah. And we had the are you okay last night about the mosquitoes eating people on the plane. Oh no. Might have to put a a, a pause on bug stories. This is um this is exactly oh, why Ryan O'Donnell should not have any responsibility when it comes to these things. Well, He's I a don't big even of a prognosticator. I got hired in the first place mm -hmm. by the way. I don't yeah. know how I'm here. <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea? Are you okay with Nobody else applied, that's all. Uh, <laughs> wait really no <laughs> it's, been, <laughs> it's been three years i think you're gonna be okay i think you've I think done all right, right right yeah like you you passed the the 90 days you're okay you're good Sweet. at this point i don't think they can get rid of you right now i think you go with the lease are you okay with oysters mm. no you don't like oysters no i've never actually had like the oyster shucking like Slurp oh, it really? into your face hole kind of grossness. It's 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 like it's kind of weird because texture not the best, flavor amazing, but it's really easy to almost choke on them. You will rarely ever actually choke on them, but if you eat them too fast or too aggressively, it can be a little uncomfortable. But the best is you get oysters and they're served on you know on the platter with the salt and the ice and then you just get like a spread of different hot sauces and you put a little bit of hot sauce nothing too spicy tabasco frank's red hot cholua whatever you want and you just slurp that back amazing appetizer as like a full course meal never but appetizer mwah. yeah Delicious. but see i think that that's like brussels sprouts like if people say just put bacon on your brussels sprouts i think that's what it's like i mean all you're saying is you like hot sauce because it's not like you really chew it you basically just throw it in your face and swallow it right you yeah you don't chew it you ba yeah. it's kind of like um yeah you kind of just get like this split second where you can taste it and then it's gone yeah so it's but like it's you're good. paying twenty dollars to have a hot sauce delivery system um I yeah yeah but but it is <laughs> kind of deconstructing my like of oysters right now <laughs> look I think they taste good I think they taste it's good it's a texture problem for me. Could That's fair. I won't judge you on that. That is fair. It is a weird because it is very raw. Like it, it, it. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, I get that. I see. Yeah, this has not made me feel much better. Uh, London fair. says mussels have more flavor. Yeah, they do. Terrible flavor. Ugh, they don't they've like got mussels that, either. No, they've got that. that oh. they've got that fishy thing going on. Mm, well, they are from the sea, where the fish be. So yeah, <laughs> they're the sea. <laughs> Uh, too slimy. Well, it actually says too slimy, but I think that's a ty typo. Or Ryan's texting the show again. Um, no. At least bed bugs don't fly or carry diseases so far. <laughs> True. I looked that up. It's very rare to get a transmitted disease from a bed bug. So there is that. They got that going for them. It's not that kind of bit. Um, no. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? 
Mussels. Oysters. Slurpees. Oh, slurping oysters. Slurping. Yeah, see, I think it's a lot of money for, for what you get. They are that, expensive. That's all. They a woman expensive. who documented her oyster feast on TikTok is gaining infamy, probably because she slurped back almost 50 oysters. In the video, which now has more than 5 million views, the Atlanta woman can be heard slurping down every single oyster. Awesome. Oh, it's my girlfriend. I love her. CNN's Jeannie Moose. Four platters totaling 48 oysters. When the fourth one came out, he was looking at me crazy. Her date wasn't the only one. <laughs> and then after all those oysters at Fontaine's Oyster House in Atlanta. I'm like, baby, mm, what's next? What am I about to eat? She gobbled down a crab cakes and potatoes entree. But at some point, the date deserted. Say he going to the bathroom and never come back. The f And she ended up paying the almost $185 bill. Most online commenters were unsympathetic. If you eat 48 oysters in a day, you are a walrus. I don't know if I ever ate 48 of anything. Some Skittles. But the way she was slurping them oysters, oh. Heck, I would have walked out, to be honest with you. If you eat 50 oysters, you're a walrus? Is what, yeah. To, I asked, when I was putting this together, I had a FaceTime with my partner, Laura, and I was like, first thing I said, it wasn't hello. It was, if on our first date, I slurped back 48 oysters and made no big deal about it, would you have left? And Laura said, yes, that would have been a red flag. Yes, it's a red yeah. flag. And then the crab and then the whatever. Yeah. yeah, she had 48 oysters and two, like, crab cakes that are the size of, like, bocce balls. They were enormous. And this video is, I do, do not recommend watching it because it's kind of like the wrong kind of ASMR. <laughs> it's it's mm. kind of gross. And there's just so much food. And, look, I've been there. I've had those kinds of feasts. But this one was unhinged and slimy. I don't blame him for bolting. Oh, yeah, me neither. Yep. That's a yep. lot. I'd, that's a lot. So I looked up do uh, oysters. What do oysters do to your body? And what came up on a list is do oysters make you fart? And um, apparently, number nine out of ten on the list of things that make you gassy. Um, they're canned in cottonseed oil uh, produced out of farms, and where they live makes um, you go to Fart City. Actually, is what it says. So there you go. Want to know number one on the list? Uh, broccoli? Bro cauliflower? Pickled eggs. Oh, you! I've never had one of those. My dad loves those. Mm. Actually, for his birthday, got him pickled eggs once. <laughs> Seriously. Nice. Anyway, um, Jeannie Most is my favorite. I have a crush on her. That's who had us that little report from CNN. A viral TikTok ends with a screenshot of a text conversation between her and her date, um, the one who pulled the shoot and with a TikToker uh, calling, uh, <laughs> calling out the man sorry, for running I, out on the tab. <laughs> you all right? I was laughing because for some reason when you said shoot, I thought shuck, like shucking oh. back oysters for some <laughs> reason. The, shuck. I, right. <laughs> the, the wires crossed and it made me laugh. Yeah, all right. I offered no. to take you out for drinks and you ordered all that food, he replied. I can cash app the total for the drinks. Oh, he offered to pay the drinks. I respect that. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, everything about that was wrong. 
I just like to feel like that's um that's good. Um including the shucking. Yep. Oh, there we go. A text came in just as we finished the story. I saw that story earlier today. What you're missing is he asked her out for a drink, not an oyster buffet. Yeah. Yeah. And she, yeah, see, that's, that's valid. That's if you're on a first date and the expectation yeah. is, hey, let's have a let's go see a movie. And then afterwards, they're now at a, you know, like a Chinese buffet, like and completely like sidetracks the entire thing and orders like 60 crab legs. That's not what you agreed on. That's just taking advantage of first date. I think there's a difference between in how it's asked. I don't think we pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. When people say, hey, uh, would you like to go out for dinner? They say, hey, can I take you out for dinner? Or, hey, do you want to go out and have some drinks? Maybe get something to eat. And unless somebody says, do you want to take me out for dinner? And even in that case, uh, in today's world, I'm all for the, the chivalry and a man takes a woman out for dinner and all those things. But that doesn't mean that everybody agrees and everybody wants that. Even the person who's getting taken out, they might not want that. They might want to start off slow as friends. Let's go Dutch and, and, and you know, do splits for now. And then you can take me out on a, another day. I don't know. People have different perspectives. I think that in today's world, you, you can offer to pay, but don't assume that the other person's paying. Never assume the other mm-hmm. person's paying, right? Offer Agreed. to pay. Sure. But don't, um, don't ever assume because if you offer to pay and the person says, no, thank you. I'd rather split then so be it. Just looking ahead here, looking at the thing, trying to do some quick math in my head. Okay, cool. Are you okay with White Claws? Um, it's the, a drink, by the way. It's a drink, yeah. it's It tastes... Uh, my favorite uh, description of a White Claw ever is that it tastes like TV static, which I agree with. Mm. There's taste there, but it's not there. And the alcohol is definitely there. So it's it's nice if you're partying because you won't get bloated like if you would have beer, but it's not exactly pleasant to See, have. It's kind of just like alcohol like bubbly. Yes. It's not Be- really for me. I'd like to have I the feel flavor like it, there. It has too many, too many bubbles and does make you bloated. And, and uh, the flavor is missing at best. And I, I don't like sweet drinks, but it's really not sweet. Anyway, they're a, they're a seltzer vodka seltzer. I think is what they call them. Yeah. It's a seltzer. Yeah. And it's so, yeah, I, I don't know, but they're popular. So, there must be a thing. White Claws belong at all kinds of places, like the Calgary Stampede, maybe some frat parties, patios. Definitely not on a school bus, though. And yet we have this. I think it's crazy, and it needs to be addressed. Yeah, that's not good. Not at all. Yeah, especially with the kids on the bus. The school district was made aware of the open container, meeting the bus driver at the middle school. The superintendent says they confirmed it was an open alcoholic drink. The driver immediately pulled from the bus and replaced. It's terrible. It it shouldn't happen. My daughter's a teacher, and she would never allow that. The bus company said in a statement, the safety of our student riders remains our number one priority, and this is completely unacceptable. The driver has been terminated, and we are cooperating with law enforcement. Well, he probably bought it from the kids. Uh, That's from News 12, by the way. This is where the story gets interesting, though. Long Island police say they will not charge the school bus driver, the driver, uh, Amal Hanna told News 12 that she took the drink from the refrigerator she shares with her roommate, not realizing that the White Claw contained alcohol. The police believed her. 
who's been a bus driver for 15 years. Now, this uh, person, Hannah, is 60, is reportedly going to undergoing chemotherapy treatment for cancer. Says it's affecting her sense of taste. She now fears ending up living on the street after losing her job. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate, but like it it, it makes sense, like how that kind of mistake could oh, yeah. happen. And if you look at a can of uh, of White Claw, it's not aggressively clear that it is alcoholic until you really look at the, the well, food marketing like is underneath it. What we're talking about here on the show tonight, mm-hmm. and this is a great reason why the drink marketing I think is confusing. I observing. Some of the some of the colas and some of the pops pops that are out there that now you can get in alcohol version that have very very similar branding on the bottles they're not the same but they're pretty darn close. I find like some of the the, the iced teas versus the twisted teas and all those things there is no way of telling the difference if you were not careful or even would have considered that this thing has booze in it. So this because the food marketing thing. Um, and I think you're right, Ryan, that the white claws themselves are not, um, I mean, there, there's no reason why it says like boozy booze on it and that's problematic. And I hope that this works out. I hope it was an accident because if it wasn't an accident, that's also a problem. Of course, clearly. This is the shift podcast. The millennial on the radio. It's Ryan O'Donnell. I'm really enjoying the bring. I, I like that. I like that a lot. It's a good. I'm hoping it becomes a staple of the. It is very angelic. Angelic too. You don't core. hear that when you walk in the room. No, I wish. Oh. I wish. Yeah, that would be a oh, good well. sound effect. A little posse behind me that just goes bring through everything. Ooh, a <laughs> billion dollars! But every time you walk into a room, that sound effect plays. Hmm. Would That's you do good. it? If I could choose a million dollars or have that sound effect. No, yes, a billion dollars. A billion dollars. A billion dollars right now, but every time for the rest of your life, you walk into a room, you'll hear that sound. Oh, sure. Why not? Okay. I can buy earmuffs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Smart. Good play. Good play. Uh, okay. I got a fun millennial uh, on the radio in store for you, my friends. And, uh, you know, you want fries with that? How about a tidbit? Sometimes my genius is. It's almost frightening. Mm-hmm. This is when I drop a little tidbit, tidbit of uh, information, usually in tandem with a big honking interview that we have here on the shift. And you know, we learned a lot about the fast food marketing tactics out there right now on game show as well as the interview. And uh, you know, here's here's one for you. I got a tidbit for you. The, the, which came first, the Whopper or the Big Mac? Well, it's the Whopper. It's about 11 years older than the Big Mac. But here's one. I was like, McDonald's has to have like an interesting tidbit beside its story. And this, I find, is kind of on the same level of when you find out that Lego produces more tires than any other company in the world. More than any other car company, Lego makes more tires. This fact reminds me of that. The world's largest toy distributor is McDonald's because of the Happy Meal. Hmm. And because they now give out books, McDonald's sells more books 
as part of Happy Meals than there are housed in the enormous Library of Congress in the United States. Really? Yes. Now, there's definitely like, hey, kids get a toys and also mm, bad food. But I was surprised to see just how many toys. And you also got to think about like the pollution and all the plastic and all the garbage. But look, I actually still have a few of my McDonald's Happy Meal toys from when I was a kid. There were these Sonic the Hedgehog electronic games that you could get at McDonald's back in the day. It was a full-on little mini video game, and they were the best. And mine from 2002, 2003, still works. I have never changed the battery. That you have it is the weird part, Rye. There's something... Yeah, I well, you know what's funny? It was when I was moving, I have these massive buckets of Lego, and I found it in a bucket of Lego. So, you know, it was preserved by other plastic. (laughs) (laughs) By tires. By tires. I do have a lot of tires. I do. I do. I just built a car the other day. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Pretty happy with it. Uh, Okay. So this story, I laughed. I can't tell you how hard I laughed when I read this. We need to talk about NHL goal songs. Okay. Uh. One of the best parts of modern hockey is the flexibility that teams have in what music plays after they score a goal. I remember for a while I live in Calgary. When I went to flames games, the Barbara Streisand song, the, you know, like that, not that, not an actual well, Barbara Streisand story. song. Yeah. The, uh, there's a funny story behind that one. What is it? Well, there was, they had actually, it came to me at one point and they wanted to voice all the players names. Mm-hmm. It was Jerome McGinley was playing, right? Yep, at the time. Yeah, I think he was yeah. still playing then. Yep. So you know, uh, Barbara Streisand "Duck Sauce" was the was the song. Uh, so let's grab that sauce, here. Yeah. For, uh, Streisand "Duck Sauce." We should grab it. You don't have it queued up there by chance, do you? No. Uh, "Duck Sauce." Here we go. Just the one. No, that's not the one. Come on! I'm, I'm give shocked. Me a cover. The first thing, he, yeah, I give you a cover. Not on Spotify yeah. or yeah, any of the radio app? Give me a cover. Well, it's only dirty. It. It's not dirty, is it? There's dirty versions of that song? Really? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, maybe, well, maybe we'll sleep. We'll do this maybe we'll <laughs> Let's not play that gambit. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I remember there being... There you go, right? Yeah, this is a great beat. This is a fun song. Sorry, it took me a minute to put it all together there. So this is what they scored a goal. This is what it sounded like, right? And I want to get to Ryan's point here. Barbara Streisand. So what they did was they asked me to voice it with, like, the players' names. Instead of Barbara Streisand, it was Jerome McGinley. See? That's See? awesome. Maybe that's, like, the prototype of what we have now where all these players can pick their goal songs. Um, because in Calgary, all the players here are allowed to pick their song. Uh, whereas in Toronto, for example, they don't get that. They like have one song that becomes oh. the anthem that the arena sings after the score. Johnny, uh, uh, Sean Monahan's was Moni Moni. Yep. Uh, wasn't Johnny Goodrow's like Johnny Be Good or something like that? Go Johnny, go, go. Oh, yeah, was that yeah, it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, yep. yeah, so yeah, okay. I didn't realize that, but I just kind of assumed it was good marketing, but okay. Yeah, so it's usually curated and teams are getting more flexibility on how they do that. And What's happened is that 
um, people are getting really creative with it to the point where it's brilliant and hilarious. So let's let's have some context here. Okay, so uh, in an alternate universe where I'm about two feet taller at least and much more fit, I become a hockey player. Okay. Uh, I'm the center on the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> biggest guy in history of hockey. I'm the biggest guy in history. Uh, I can skate and I go down, you know, let, let's say it's two on one, but bada bing, bada boom. I shoot, I score. I would have Smokin' by Boston, which is this song, be my goal song. Right? Right. Be, be great if you one. pulled out a cigarette. It oh, it'd be so cool. On your way back to the bench. Great, like arena rock. It would sound awesome over the speakers, you know, like great beat. Okay, that's just a benchmark. Now, it's Jeff Skinner, who I have to thank for the greatest idea ever for a goal song. Jeff Skinner plays for the Buffalo Sabres, my, which is one of my favorite American teams. Buffalo is a special team. They have, I would say, yes, top five best fans in hockey. That team has been through hell for the last like 15 years, and their fans are so devoted, and they don't complain the same way like I complain about the Flames or the Habs. They're a special breed. And I think it's only fitting that their players give them something special in return. Jeff Skinner has chosen as his goal song a song from high school musical <laughs> high school musical okay now sidebar let's go millennial town high school musical was the biggest thing in the world for a good like year or two so it was a disney channel original movie zach efron vanessa hudgens and it had these really simple like memorable musical numbers set in a high school it was like a coming of age story and it was really easy to learn the songs and it was everywhere everybody knew the songs everybody's uh like i can remember all the girls in my class their binders in school were high school musical laura my partner has a high school musical diary that sings when you open it. like wow. it was captivated the millennials to absurd degrees there's a great episode on south park that makes fun of that trend by the way if you're interested if you want a little reflection on what it was like but the song in particular that jeff picked is perfect so let's set the scene okay imagine this game seven of the stanley cup final three three double overtime the stakes on ice have never been higher the buffalo sabers are on the verge of their first stanley cup i think ever i'm not sure but in a very long time they're on the edge and they're right there finally skinner gets a chance he breaks away he shoots he scores and the entire world hears this we're breaking free can you imagine just put yourself in the skates of the goaltender imagine carrying your team to the stanley cup playoffs you lose you get scored on and you hear high school musical blasting over this from the other team this is psychological warfare (laughs) on ice with beautiful a musical I think it's cool. Imagine, imagine if the uh, crowd really got into it, and then you had a bunch of you know hockey fans, burly hockey fans, start singing that in the crowd and like doing the <laughs> yeah. dance. 
I can I guarantee you most of the millennials will be singing along to that song. I can, it's, I could, I could guarantee you. It's got to be one of those rare moments where it is so square peg round hole offside that it's awesome. It is. It is awesome. It's very funny. And this has happened. I can't play it because it's on a, you know, on, on one of the sports networks, but you can, uh, Jeff Skinner has scored a goal at home in their, uh, the first game they won the, the, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Skinner scored. And <laughs> it's just really funny because the goaltender looks so uh, mad at himself for scoring. And then you just hear high school musical playing over the speakers. It's uh, so good. good. It's brilliant. Uh, the rest of the team has uh, also some great other songs. So Gimme, Gimme, Gimme by ABBA. That's Victor Olofsson. That's a good one. And then we've got like a standard one here. I Want to Rock by Twisted Sister. Connor Clifton has that. Tyson Yost has One More Time by Daft Punk. Yost, uh, Heads Will Roll by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. That's a, a fantastic song. And then Breaking Free by <laughs> High School Musical cast. <laughs> oh, I, uh, hats off. If, if, if I, if I'm ever in Buffalo, I'm going to try my best to go to a game Helmets. just so I can maybe have the chance of hearing that happen in, in person. Helmets off. I think you meant. Helmets off. Yes. Or right. in, in the case of a hat trick, hats off. Unless you live in Toronto when you don't throw hats for hat tricks. That's a whole other thing. The history of the, mm. the hat trick thing. I don't understand it. I mean, especially with the cost of hats today. And that makes me yeah. sound so angry and old because I'm but like, you're not wrong. That's $50 throw you're throwing easily. I wouldn't throw my hat. I would not. I would maybe they, bring an old hat. There's a but, fence. Yeah. There's like a whole net <laughs> and then you, you throw yeah. it and it hits the net. Right. That hangs down to protect the pucks in the end. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why the multi-millionaire $8 million a year player needs you, the saved up my empties so I could buy a ticket to throw your $50 hat on the ice. I mean, do you go get it afterwards? Does it get donated and cleaned? I like, I don't I know. I think it gets donated. I think they, I, I, most teams I believe have a, uh, like a way that they can kind of get those hats out to people that need you put them. your name in it and then come and get it and bring your ID. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the, the rules and the hockey culture is changing before our eyes in, in some weird ways. And I never thought that high school musical would be a part of hockey, but here we are because they play basketball in that movie too. That's the big thing. So a whole dance number with basketballs. And yet we it made it way to hockey first. Well, thank God you're not a hockey player because the Smiths would be a real downer for your goal song. <laughs> Don't worry. We already established it would be Boston's smoking, not a Smith song. Although if it had to be a Smith song, it would probably be uh, Barbarism Begins at Home. Uh, by the, It would probably be that song. You could hear it behind the scenes, right? Okay, Ryan O'Donnell's got the puck there. Yep. Oh, he scored. Time to get Ryan's goal song. Go. And they would start with your Boston song. They'd be like, no, no, no. It's raining. You can't play that one today. It's sweater weather. You have to play this one. <laughs> I would be that picky. I would. Be. That's Ryan. Ryan, the $8 million hockey player right there. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.
For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.